0: pop and sweet that's your favorite baker and host alicia reedy and i am back with a brand new episode of cookies and conversation and yes it's a solo thing it's just me and i think that it is much needed for myself for you all that um keep up with me and genuinely care it means a lot to me i've been waiting a long time to do this and i actually don't think i've realized how well I knew it would be important but I don't think I realized how important it was until this very moment I've been going back and forth especially leading up to this recording you know just thinking about how am I going to go about this what am I going to talk about am I going to lay everything out on the table it was um it was a lot for me to process a lot for me to digest and like I've shared with y'all times before You know, I jot down some bullet points and I let, you know, I let my spirit guide me and I let, you know, my heart and my mind marry each other. And I let them take me on a journey internally that gives me or that helps me give you all the episode that y'all deserve and the episode that I feel is worthy of recording and sharing. I'm a firm believer in just being raw, authentic, organic. To the point, you know, just being a straight shooter. Um, I'm firm, but I'm gentle all at the same time when it comes to my storytelling, when it comes to sharing the trials and tribulations I have endured. But, yeah, this is is very important. And every time I do a solo episode, I've noticed as of late, or rather since the assault happened, that um, I get a little emotional. And I get emotional because there was a great chance that I wasn't going to be here. And that that is a lot to digest. It is, um, you know, it, it's hard to talk about, especially when you're like sitting by yourself recording a solo episode that the world has access to. That's really hard to digest. I've talked about it in conversation with people and people have been like, oh my God, I'm so glad you're here. Or like, oh my God, you're so strong. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Oh my God, I can't believe you say it like it's normal. The thing is I endured so much abuse in so many different forms that um, the situation is not normal. Talking about it just became easier to do solely because of healing. But um, again, like when you're with yourself, it just hits a little different. It's kind of like what I would write in my journal, but behind a mic. But in any event, that's a long enough introduction. For those that are new here, welcome to the journey. And for those that have been Keeping Up With Cookies and Conversation podcast for the last four seasons, welcome back. I'm very excited that everybody is here. I'm very excited to still be here and have breath in my body and blood moving through my veins. I am so happy to be able to constantly, consistently share who I am with all of you. Each of you, no matter when you join the journey, you have seen the hardest parts, the darkest parts. You've seen me land in the softest Of spaces and getting comfortable with that and getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Thank you for trusting me when it comes to, you know, your heart, your mind, your spirit, your healing. I know I naturally, (laughs) naturally, people see me as like the healer. And yes, indeed I am the healer (laughs) I take a lot of pride in that but one thing that people always misconstrue is that they think that I'm trying to change people or fix people or you know force healing and I've never been that type of person my mission my goal is to consistently be the healer and be the light that inspires you to look deep within yourself and face all of those uncomfortable parts of you, to face the hard truths, the, the hard parts of healing. I want to be the light that inspires you to grow and to become the best version of yourself every single day. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being so supportive. And I'm so honored to be here for you and support you. Wow, what an introduction. I just feel like I went right the fucking... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, God. Um, As I'm recording this, I am preparing for my natal Saturn... Saturn. <laughs> Let's run that back. <laughs> as I'm recording this, I am preparing for my natal... Saturn return I am a Pisces Pisces fuck I can't talk Saturn 12th house which is intense as fuck for me I can see that this is going to be about how disciplined I am when it comes to my healing the endings in my life and um just all the deep-rooted shit it's basically giving a shadow work on steroids Oh my god. Um but if anybody is meant for it, it's me. So I'm not gonna hold y'all. I've been like fucking emotional. And it's a lot. Okay, bitch. Like Jesus Christ. Oh my god. Let's let's go ahead and let's let's dive in. Um hmm. I don't know where to start. Let's talk about motherhood. Motherhood is the hardest and the easiest job in the world i've shared that with y'all before multiple times but for me as of late it has been tremendously difficult this has nothing to do with the sperm donor this has everything to do with navigating and assisting Tyler with how she manages or how she yeah it's about yeah helping her manage her her big feelings and her thoughts and how she chooses to express herself it's been a little difficult and it's been very difficult I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat shit Y'all know this by now. (laughs) And if you didn't know, now you know. But Tyler, she's moving through a season in her life. um, Especially with the big five on the horizon. The big five. Crazy. It's crazy. Um, She's been going through so many changes. And I can see them. And I can feel them as her mommy. Her bestie. She's my bestie too. And helping her find more proactive and healthier ways to express herself while determining or discovering healthier, more proactive ways to express myself while navigating my healing journey or through my healing journey has been a lot. I don't know. So often I feel so stuck between a rock and a hard place. You know, you have one side of the internet that's always like, gentle parenting is this and if you raise your voice you know you are going to instill trauma and it's like what because then you have the other side of the internet that's like pop 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 you know what i'm saying i spake my kids and it's just like oh my god (laughs) i am the firm fun mom and i take pride in that let me explain tyler is very vocal and that is exactly what i want my girl to always be i never want her to waver that for anybody but when it comes to the moments where she wants what she wants and her emotions really just take over because she's a little person and she has big feelings and all that stuff it can be a lot for me because you know i'll have my normal tone my cool calm collective voice and mom's parents Y'all know when you got to put a little bass in your voice, I'm quick to turn on the black mama voice. I'd be like, Tyler, (laughs) I'd be like, sit down now. And she hates it. I hate turning it on. But I just want my girl to listen sometimes. You know, sometimes the feelings take over and she's not really paying attention. And I get it because she's a tiny person and she's just working through it. So that's why I make a conscious effort to um, meet her where she is. Some days are harder than most. But I make sure that I show up for my girl through every moment. She deserves it. Um, When it comes to. Not that y'all asked. And not that I was really going to talk about it. When it comes to. Rayvon being incarcerated. Obviously we're going to talk about that. Because that's why this episode is so important. When it comes to that. She's not really thinking about him. I don't know if. She's ever on the phone with him, you know those little calls from the prison or the correction facility you know i don't I don't know if when she's away with the other side of her family, if they call him when she's over and she's like, "Oh my God, daddy, like or you know I, I don't know, nor do I care because it's really hard for me to care about surface level shit. It's hard for me to take him seriously in any way, shape or form when he did not take me seriously nor did he take my life seriously. It's, it's really hard for me to give any fucks and um, I'm okay with that. Now, this is the thing. If I were to talk about parenthood and co-parenting and whatever the dynamic is with me and the sperm donor, for me, for a long time, I've been telling niggas, I've been telling niggas the whole, it's not my job nor is it my responsibility to facilitate or maintain that connection once upon a time four score and seven years ago there may have been one you know a point in time where i was like you know i want you to show up and i want you to be this dad and blah 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 and i quickly got my shit together and i was like mm i'm good i'm good because if you want to you will Because of his impulsiveness and because of the control that he has always desired to have over my life that he no longer has, shit got legal. And it's been legal ever since. So we're talking about for as long as our child has been alive. All our child knows is court and visitation and protective orders and division when it comes to me and the sperm donor. And that is not fair to her. However, she knows who he is. She knows his energy is not right. Cool, you know, they have fun and they kiki because my girl loves to have a good time. You know what I'm saying? You know, you get her to giggle and she's like, oh my God, bestie. (laughs) Not really, but like she likes to have a good time. But she knows that it's only just that. I think that she sees stuff on TV. And she hears like all these characters and things of that nature. Mommy, daddy, mom, dad. And that's cool. But what I am grateful for is that she has somebody in her life now that is doing everything that the sperm donor never could, it will never be able to do. I have never been the type of person that agreed with the whole um well you know at the end of the day that's her father and he needs to be in her life okay fine fine but you see what happened when he was in her life legal shit lack of like just just a whole bunch of carelessness there was one time he triggered me And I fussed and he acted so impulsively to the point where Tyler ran out towards the car and that nigga was about to zoom the fuck off, not even paying attention to the fact that Tyler could have gotten ran over. But he's supposed to be around, right? Because that's her father, right? Y'all got me 50 shades of fucked up. No. I have been in a fight for my daughter's well-being longer than... Her time, Earthside. He threatened to steal her from me. Steal in the sense of literally taking her away from me after I gave birth and running off to God knows where. But that's her father, right? And he's supposed to be in her life. And, you know, you got to make sure. Man, fuck that shit. Fuck that. Now, I really do not care what the sperm donor does at this point what i care about is my daughter's safety and i will do whatever it takes to maintain that to protect her i will always fight one thing about me i'm a fighter and i don't back down for shit okay i indeed am one of god's strongest soldiers especially when it comes to the sperm donor now physically he might win He he's definitely got me beat there But in every other sense, I'm divinely protected. I'm always good. And by way of that and the the constant alignment and confirmation in my life, she will always be covered and I'm very grateful. She's always protected. She's always safe. I will say I am grateful for the growth that I have made with A couple people on the side of his family. So Tyler's other grandmother. And um, I never really had beef with her great-grandmother. So sperm donors um, grandmother. I never really had beef with her. We never really had discord. The only issue I had is that she's the type of person that's like, oh, if it happens in the house, it stays in the house. She'd rather turn a blind eye. She could look at the situation happening, but she won't speak on shit. That's the problem. And I don't come from that. Like, literally the polar opposite. Nor have I ever seen that in the home. So being the victim of something like that is really fucking wild. Have I forgiven her for that? No. I've definitely forgiven his mother, though. She and I used to be so close. The only thing that's brought us together is, unfortunately, her eyes being really open to what her son did to me and what he has put me through and Tyler most importantly to be fair or not to be fair but to be frank she is who I co-parent with she makes sure that shit is moving when Tyler is not in you know in my sight or in my physical care or under her roof with me I'm grateful for the fact that she cares I'm grateful for the fact that we actually have better communication now don't get me wrong we're not besties but we kiki about my girl you know most importantly i'm very grateful for the fact that she believes me she's seen some things she knows about a lot of things that the sperm donor did to me her son but i'm grateful for the fact that um she believes me sometimes it gets awkward like you know if i'm dropping off tyler every other weekend and it's just like yeah hmm you know your son is behind bars yikes like that it's it's a little weird i'm not going to lie but um you get used to it eventually um i don't know it's really fucking weird <sighs> so i guess this is the part where i segue into um the uncomfortable if you've made it this far thank you i really did not know what i was getting myself into <laughs> when i started recording this cuz i and basically running on fumes i don't know if there is a shadow period for this whole um saturn in pisces transit but bitch i'm going through it so please extend your girl some grace like i asked y'all in episode one because bitch let me take a second so this is hard I shared that dreadful night, the details and some of the pictures from that night in my recovery on Instagram the day that the verdict dropped. What y'all don't know is that in very real time, so episode one alignment for season four was recorded literally hours before that verdict, as in the night before. So January 31st. I've been waiting a long time to share something like this. Now, yes, I've talked about domestic violence on here before multiple times. And I use the power of my platform and I amplify, amplify, excuse me, my voice to share my story and to share my strength and to reclaim my power. Yes. But um, this is different. I know I mentioned it a couple of times from episode two with Greg of this season that was recorded originally in November, Get Comfortable with the Uncomfortable, that was recorded in September, just over a month after you know the assault happened. I wanna put this out there. I wish, I really wish people would stop acting like it's okay and it's normal to just move through life and act like shit has not happened. Life can be traumatic as fuck. So I'm gonna share my story. Just a little bit more details. So in mental, so in season three, episode seven, I believe it is, Mental Health Awareness Month, a very important thing for me, a very important topic, a very important time. Rayvon came back into my life around that time. We started off, you know, kiki and it was cool. Like very strict, like co-parenting shit. One thing led to another. Shit got a little flirty, whatever, cool. Naturally so, that's Tava's father. And I don't like using that term. One thing led to another. We got flirty here and there. I knew that I was doing a very tricky thing, which is why my boundaries were very firm. Um, and he did not like that. And I did not give a fuck. What I quickly started to realize is that I loved the idea of what we we're supposed to be in the potential of what we could be more than anything way way more than anything else because when i really took a step back with every conversation that i had with rayvon from may up until july to be honest he just wasn't a person that fit into my life and it's like every time i hit some amazing breakthrough he just has to wake up that cycle again i am my own person I can own the fact that I got a little flirty. And yes, bitch, I was sexually frustrated. So if I was going to get some dick, I was going to get some dick, period. So it's tricky. Anybody that's, um, that has been romantically... And intimately involved with the person that has abused them, connections like that are very hard to cut off. I ain't got no shame in admitting that. There is no shame in admitting that. It's hard to admit, but it's an ugly truth. It's an ugly reality, and it's it's up to the victim to walk away. So this time when he came around, I quickly started to see, especially within like the first couple times we were intimate, I really started to see that, it, yeah, that, that no, it wasn't gonna work. <sighs> I've apologized multiple times for any hurt I have caused that man. Um, I I would never apologize for protecting myself or standing my ground in regards to the abuse that I endured. I would never apologize for that. But I will apologize for just genuinely hurting his feelings as a human being. Hopefully that makes sense. But yes, over the course of time, I've really started to see that he just wasn't really for me. I loved the potential. I loved the idea of what we were supposed to be more than what we actually were, which was two people that ran their course, two people that experienced a lot of trauma. And trauma was one of the things that changed the foundation and then transitioned into becoming the foundation. He couldn't go a day without calling me a bitch, a whore, a hoe, a slut, saying I'm throwing my ass back for God knows who, thinking I'm fucking niggas left and right, when honestly, I was just focused on my healing, focused on my daughter, and just getting by. I was sexually taken advantage of July of 2022. I was super uncomfortable with telling him that, but out of respect for him as a person that i was intimate with at that time i wanted to share the information and the craziest part about that shit is that he blamed me for what happened to me i did not ask to be sexually taken advantage of who the fuck asks to be taken advantage of in that way it's really fucked up and that was the beginning of an episode of his so before the assault happened we went two weeks without talking why did we go two weeks without talking because he trespassed i remember talking to my girl ariana i love you my girl kaya i love you and i remember sending ariana specifically voice messages of me whispering because Rayvon was outside of my home at 12 in the morning, banging on my door, yelling to my bedroom window to get my attention while I was putting our child down for bed. He spiraled in a way that is unfortunately too familiar. He kept calling me, he kept driving around Until I answered him, I literally answered the phone just to tell him to go the fuck to bed. Because Tyler was going the fuck to bed. And he did not want to listen and said that he was on his way. Yes, this was an opportunity for me to call the police. However, comma. (laughs) It's kind of hard to be like, you know what, I'm going to call the police. When the police have let me down so many times. When it comes to Rayvon and his behavior. So many slaps on the wrist. So many, ah, ah, don't do that. That... You stay away, okay? Like, I don't have time for that shit. And as a victim that's been let down so many times, there's only so much faith you can have in the system that constantly fucks you over. So, he did not leave until close to three in the morning, if not exactly that. He just, he just wouldn't leave me alone. I remember closing my eyes, holding my breath. I held my breath for so long that... Five minutes it felt like 20. I was so scared that I closed my eyes and tuned him out so hard that I didn't even realize I fell asleep. It felt like I had been asleep for hours. My mom was standing at the window, making sure that I was safe and that he wasn't going to do too much damage. And my mom was like, girl, it's only been 15 minutes. I held Tyler so tight. He parked at the very end of my driveway. Now, if you've pulled up on me, or you know some cookies or you know you just want to see your girl you know how it's set up on this end okay and honestly if you really fuck with me you know how it's set up because of my pictures um he parked at the end of my driveway and he kept going back and forth between knocking on the door and sitting in the car and he was like i will stay here all night mind you he had work at like five six in the morning but he eventually left only no because my mom told me he came by the next day in the rain unannounced doing the same shit Tyler thought Tyler heard him yelling she thought it was a game I looked at her dead ass and I said girl I said your father is is being bad I was like this is not a game we are not playing so you need to stay quiet and if he hears you something bad could happen she knew I wasn't playing and she stayed silent the rest of the night I held her so tight in that bed he was yelling out the window and Tyler Saw the look on my face, the way I just wanted to cover her and protect her from this this monster. After that, it was like, I, I can't remember how long he stayed that night. Maybe like an hour and a half, two hours. But this time, he was dressed in all black. He destroyed property. To the point, he hit shit so loud that two of my neighbors heard him and saw him. And he sprinted around the corner in his all black outfit dark as hell outside you he knew what he was doing and i know for a fact that if i stepped outside of my house i probably would have died and that's really scary we went a couple of weeks without really communicating um we checked in off annoying he was still doing the same old fucked up shit just being an asshole being annoying typical sperm donor behavior he just doesn't know what else to be And then that turned into me going out with Kaya one night. We were just having a good time. I was checking in on Ravon. We were texting off and on. He ended up meeting me in downtown Annapolis. I actually was not expecting him. I was literally just minding my fucking business. (laughs) Um... And of course he ruined the night. Here I am having a good time with my friend. I'm like, oh my God, you're actually meeting one of my friends. This is a big deal because I'm very protective of my friends. Especially when it comes to your dumbass. And of course he ruined our night. He embarrassed the fuck out of me. I was drunk as hell. That's the last good time we ever had before the embarrassment and before he did fucked up shit. And he was like, I thought you didn't want to hang out with me. I was like, I do want to spend time with you. But I'm, he was like, I thought you were angry. I was like, I am angry at you. It is hard to talk to you. It is hard to be around you. I was like, but I just want some level of normalcy I want to see if I can actually share the same space as you he and I both knew that I was cutting him off y'all this nigga was trying to get me to go to Hawaii and literally uproot my life to be away from everything I've ever known as far as like my foundation my family he wanted me as far away from my family as possible and that and that's the thing that's the thing that he does he likes to get me as far away from home as possible so he can do the most fucked up shit and this is where july 24th 25th came around i went out with kaya he ruined that night the night before the assault happened here we are kiki and having a good time on facetime i was hungover as fuck okay he's like you know i'd love to take you out i wish we, we could have more good times like that i was like i was like you know i'm open i want to ease into spending time with you i don't really know how i feel and of course he fucking ruined it with text messages trying to like prove his manhood to me just trying to control me in a sexual way and i was like bro like this shit isn't even like that like nigga can't we just go like go get food and go home it wasn't that deep for me it wasn't that deep i hate saying this but if I did not go out with Rayvon this night, I would not be experiencing the justice I received. I would not have this, this new this new life of mine, this new freedom of mine. I would not experience this if I didn't go out that night. But I still wish I did not go out that night. And I hope y'all are picking up what I'm putting down. He pulls up. I'm wearing a cute little light black cami, some cute little black shorts. My new Balances that I'm always wearing because they're my favorite shoes. <laughs> um outside of my converse of course and um had my hair in two puffs hoops lashes like i looked cute as fuck y'all you know what the first thing this nigga says to me is he's like <laughs> he's like alicia that's what you're wearing tonight i was like look if it's gonna be an issue i said i will wear this any other time i don't give a fuck who i'm hanging out with it's hot as fuck it is literally the summer So this is what I want to wear and I'm going to a bar. This is what I'm wearing, period. And if you got an issue with it, I can go in the house. We don't have to go out. We don't have to go out. (sighs) One of the weird things that he asked me before he pulled off, do you have your emergency contacts? Do I have my emergency contact? Um, I always do. Yeah. No, okay, just making sure. Who the fuck says that? We get to Tsunami downtown, downtown Annapolis. We had a mutual friend. This mutual person, um, I say person because we are not friends anymore. We are not cordial, we are not cool because Rayvon is behind bars, of course. An enabler. He like <laughs> well, he was like our plug to get in. So it was like, Oh hey, you know, what's popping Woo, you know, drinks on me, woo. Like it was cool. Until it wasn't. So we get there. We went to tsunami the night before too. Cool. Whatever. So we go back. We run it back, We go. This nigga is arguing with me in the booth. Alcohol is not even involved. I knew some shit was about to go down when he shoved me out of the booth with his right hip. And he was like, I will leave you here. I was like, okay, fine. Bye. We're walking to the car. He's sitting here thinking we're hanging out because it's like, oh my God, I thought we made up. We always make up and we always no. this is different. I had a panic attack, right? And that's why I almost died off the strength of his arms. He's like, (laughs) this nigga is all like, I thought we were good. I thought we made up. I was like, what? No, we are not good. Then why are we hanging out, Alicia? Why? I told you why. I'm trying to see if I can be around you. And to be honest, we're not okay because you trespassed on more than one on more than one occasion. You harassed my neighbors. You scared my family and my child. You destroyed my property. We are not good. And if you want to be good with me, you got a lot of work to do. I'm sitting here heavy breathing and walking away. I'm like, this is too much. I'm just ready to be left in fucking Annapolis so I can go home. Unfortunately, it did not work that way. He did not like how I closed the car door. And when, I, when that door closed, I knew what was coming. I just didn't know that death would be the closest or I, did, I just didn't know that death would be the next thing that I was very close to experiencing. <sighs> I don't have to go too in-depth. I really don't. But for the sake of transparency, I will be discussing this unfortunately triggering topic for some, I will say. So... So, when the door closed, I did not slam that door. He just didn't like how I closed the door. I remember cowering, and I was like, fuck, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because, mind you, I'm looking in the eyes of a person that feels like they can do whatever they want to me and call me out of my name off the strength of how I close a door. And he told me that to my face and he said to me you fucking bitch what the fuck did i tell you about that and here i am cowering against the brick wall that y'all saw in the pictures and he was like what the fuck did i tell you about that what the fuck did i tell you about that i was like i'm sorry i'm sorry like please just leave me alone i'm sorry and he hesitated he was hovering over me His face was only inches from mine. He was hovering over my body with his arms preparing to squeeze me, do something I didn't know what to expect. In my mind, I'm prepared for him to grab my head and bash it into the brick. I remember the absolute shock I experienced when he started to strangle me. I remember literally asking him to stop and barely being able to communicate. And I knew that if the, the more I spoke, while I couldn't breathe, I couldn't function, I knew that I could have died right there. So I stopped fighting verbally. He lifted me. By way of his biceps, his arms, all of his arms, to be honest. He had me in a chokehold. He strangled me. He lifted me up by his arms with my neck literally being crushed by him. I remember my, my shoes dragging across the brick sidewalk with a little bit of air in between. And I remember him throwing me down to the ground and pinning me down with all of his weight on top of me. I remember him squeezing me as tight as he could, even tighter than he already was just seconds before, and pulling my neck back repeatedly. I remember saying, stop, stop. I just remember him cussing me out. And in that moment, I just, there was no more physical fight in me. I couldn't hit his his forearms enough. I couldn't try to pull his his hands away from me, and my body went limp. I saw black, I saw stars, and in my mind, I'm like, my child is gonna wake up without me, and no mom should have to go through that. My body not moving and breath not coming out of my body was the only thing that stopped him. I remember jumping up so fast, collecting myself, getting myself together off the strength of survival mode alone. Yelling at the top of my lungs. Literally screaming and begging for help. Wailing for help. Thank God for all those good Samaritans. I'm grateful to God for y'all. I'm so glad y'all are in my life. And I will keep your names out of this for legal purposes. Thank you. You know exactly who you are. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for calling the police. Thank you for helping me find my phone that he was not trying to... (laughs) <laughs> that he was trying his hardest to make sure i didn't have access to because he knew that if i had my phone my family was pulling up i remember texting my mom and my sisters it's like just after midnight i was like yeah um Ravon, like he did it again and they were on their way there were about 10 or 15 people and Ravon had no control and Ravon hates not being in control And he knew that there was nothing that he could do to all those people. And he knew that if he did anything, that could make him look even worse. One of the most jarring things that he said to me, especially as he was entering police custody. I remember yelling from the parking lot in the pictures that y'all have seen. And I was like, I never want to speak to you again. I was like, I never want to see you again for the rest of my life. And when I tell y'all, I mean that shit. He said to me, this is what we do, Alicia. He was like, you'll be back this is what we do and if that isn't telling, I don't know what is and the fact that multiple people heard him say that is even more alarming. I remember right when the police came, Ravon ran from his car that was parked on the street up the hill into that parking lot in said picture that y'all have seen and I remember him swooping me up by my shins. I was in the air wailing for help. And I'm grateful to God that there is body camera footage of the following. I'm grateful to God people witnessed what I've endured. Rayvon has gotten away with a lot in private. But to be in public and for people to see that you are not a good human being. It was the beginning of justice. Justice that... I deserved there was nothing leading up to that night or at any point in time that warranted any form of abuse I was not disrespectful not once to him I've been the most selfless motherfucker in the sperm donor's life and I was constantly taken advantage of constantly abused constantly mistreated when is enough enough God said that that night was. I didn't get home till about 6 in the morning. Running around taking care of legal shit. You know, wake up the next morning. Wow, I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm having a hard time walking. I can't sleep straight. I have to have ice on my neck to function and breathe and feel like a normal fucking person. I could barely talk. I was in shambles during the whole protective order process. And the only reason why he showed up to one of them, which was the final protective order, is because Tyler is officially on it. I've had three protective orders in place, and this this is the first time my child has been protected. What the fuck does that tell you about the system that we're dealing with? What the fuck does that show you about how black women are not taken seriously? Tyler has been in the middle of his abusive acts. Twice, with the first one being my very first day out of the hospital after giving birth. I wasn't even out for 24 hours, and that nigga had me right back in that bitch, bleeding and all, CAT scans and shit. You got me fucked up. There's literally video footage of the abuse that I have endured, literally from Father's Day of 2020. He literally snatched Tyler out of my hand, both of those instances, and hit me both times. I'm just grateful for the fact that I didn't have to go to the hospital the second time that Tyler was in the line of the abuse that I endured. And I'm grateful to God that she did not get injured because I, I, I don't know what type of rage. I don't know how angry I would have been. All I know is that I would have been seeing red. And that's not fun. I ain't gonna put my hands on nobody. I will not. But what also what you would not do is hurt my child. Or even put her that close to danger again. I was... I spent the majority of that day in the ER. The next day. I remember going to the court hearing. And seeing him on the screen for the bail hearing. Bond was set for 25k. The nigga was out on bond. And what happened? He fucked that up. By stalking me at work. Harassing me at work. Violating the protective order. and. He's been locked up since November and I really hope that that jail cell is really fucking cozy. I hope that nigga staying nice and warm because he's going to be in there for a while and I don't feel bad about it. The fact that, like I said, I don't have to go too in depth because I gave very, very clear specifics on Instagram. The one thing I will say, just because this just hit me, is that I wish that it didn't take me actually showing the pictures of My healing process, my recovery, to get people to like really make some noise about it. I've been making noise, but domestic violence, domestic abuse is something that people like to sweep under the rug. And that is why I'm so fucking loud about it. Not just because I was once a victim and now a survivor. No, this shit happens every day to people and nobody talks about it enough. And I wanna make sure that people understand the importance of these conversations. We can't get anywhere if things are constantly swept under the rug. I'm tired of that shit. One thing about me, I'm going to shake the fucking table. I'm going to make some noise and I'm going to make sure everybody hears me. Everybody will hear me. I will make sure that you feel me in every word that I speak and with every action that I do. And that's that. Period. Because of what I have endured in stories like this survival stories like this are why i go so hard it's why i will never shut the fuck up respectfully i will never shut the fuck up i will dedicate every day of my life every day of my life to show victims and survivors that there's light at the end of the tunnel And the more you choose yourself and the more you choose to see it through, the more you choose your own healing, the moment you take your power back and put your foot down, that is when the breakthrough begins. That is when you are moving closer to your new life, your freedom. I've said it once and I'll say it again. You gain your power back the more you share your story. And I hope that every victim and survivor that hears this understands the weight and the power behind never stopping your storytelling. You don't know who you'll touch. I can't tell you how many times over the course of time, how many people have come forward to me sharing what they've been through. And stories like that and people like that are why I will never stop going so hard. I'm so passionate. I'm so passionate about people making it to the other side. Most of us that have endured abuse, we don't make it this far. A lot of us don't even make it to see justice and that's a really hard and scary truth that a lot of people don't want to talk about and that is why I will never shut the fuck up because we're going to talk and I want everyone to be well versed in the importance of these conversations the signs of abuse what to look for how to stay safe how to take your power back That is a huge part of my mission. And why I take so much pride in being the healer. We all need that one person. And I'm very honored to be that person for so many of you. Mm. Alignment. Mm. I've had two court appearances since Rayvon was locked up in November. One, ironically, was the day after his birthday. And he had to finish out the sentence for harassing me and stalking me in November. And then February 1st came and I was able to give my victim impact statement, God is so good, to the court. It was really powerful to share with the court and to him that there is no love. I do not care to co-parent. I have no interest in breathing the same air as that piece of shit ass human. I have no desire to communicate with him, allow him into my space. I have no desire to care about his existence. And it's really harsh to say out loud, but that is so real. I mean, blood clots were literally forming at the roof of my mouth. I was seconds from death. I had soft tissue damage. He's a piece of shit. And it's going to always be fuck Rayvon Diarius Bryan. (sighs) Rayvon won't be getting out until 2024. God is good. Granted, I wish he was, you know, serving more time, but it is what it is. I will not put a question mark where God put a period. What I will say without going in depth again is that there's a lot hanging over his head and um, it is what it is. Fuck him. If he fucks up again, (laughs) bye, for real. And I'll just leave it at that. Let's move on to the next thing. Let's move on to the next thing. On a much lighter note, (laughs) I'm very grateful to have a wholesome lover. I'm very grateful to have a lover that shows up for me unapologetically, that fills my cup even when it's full. I'm grateful to have a lover that is the father and father figure that Tyler deserves. Mm. I'm grateful to have a lover that loves me and cares for me and protects me so fearlessly so effortlessly, so selflessly. I don't take this for granted. When I met Malik, he caught me off guard. (laughs) He'll be the one to tell you that I was scared. But the truth is that I wasn't. He just looked mean as shit. (laughs) And he looked like he just only gave a fuck about his work. So as I was leaving, you know, Lolly and Pops, he was like, you're really cute and I want to take you out sometime. I was like, okay. And we have been joined at the hip ever since. I'm so grateful to experience a lover That is passionate about me the same way that I am passionate about them. That desires the creation of a foundation that is so solid and so firm. That desires to have a forever love and a a beautiful family with a white picket fence. I'm very grateful. I knew Malik was the one for me. Truly the one. I've said about people before, obviously. But this time is different. He... On our first date, listened to me without judgment, validated my feelings and gave me truths that I didn't really want to hear. Held me accountable, but still held a safe space for me. He literally took me to my store at midnight. We shut Cheesecake Factory down (laughs) that night. And literally took me to my store at the time, Lash Cosmetics. Fuck them. Anyway, to close up my shop properly. I was like, wow, an angel. (laughs) I loved that we were working in the same mall. We quickly became a part of each other's daily routine. Eventually, I'm going to have his big head ass on. (laughs) I love you, babe. And I can't wait to share him with all of you in the ways that I get to experience him. Not too much, though, because I'm a little stingy about my man, okay? I'm stingy. (laughs) Um, But I'm so excited. Our love blossomed so effortlessly. The more that we spent time together, the more that we became a part of each other's daily routine, the more that we showed up for each other every day at work to the point where we had breakfast every morning or almost every morning before work or dinner right after work. Mm. I've never had somebody just make time for me in the busyness of life. I've never had somebody that is so understanding of my life in the business of my life And the trials and tribulations that I endured. I've never had somebody be so supportive. The way... (laughs) I remember the first time that he told me he loved me. The way he was kissing me that day was very specific. (laughs) I know... (laughs) I know what Malik is feeling or thinking by how he is touching my body or kissing me. And I don't know if this is like too intimate, but... (laughs) we need to talk about some lighthearted shit okay and one thing about me i'm a lovey-dovey ass bitch and i love my man my man my man so period we were chilling on my break and i was like oh these are different he was like yeah those are those i love you kisses i said oh i like that we walked back into my store we're standing in the middle of my store and then he kissed me and was like i love you and then he dipped and i was like bitch my man loves me period and honestly i never get tired of telling him how much i love him one of my favorite things <laughs> to ask him is like what do you love the most about me today i think my favorite response today is the fact that i just kind of looked like a mom one day like my hair wasn't done it's just i was in mom mode and he could see that i was chilling and i was doing stuff in the house he could tell that i had a day and he was like you just you look like a mom and i love that and i was like oh thanks babe <laughs> we praise each other we praise each other and worship the ground Each of us walk on in a way that people would never be able to understand. In a way that people would deem unrealistic. But our love is so healthy and it's so safe. And praising each other in the ways that we do is so easy. It is second nature. I don't even have to think about it like ever. And I'm grateful for that. Our connection is very deep. But on our first date, we actually jumped right on in. We peel back layers of ourselves, things that we carry with us that we don't necessarily like to talk about on the first date. But I was like, "Ah, ah we 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 gonna talk about this." And he got me to talk about stuff with Ravon. And what I'm very grateful for is that Malik respects my boundaries. He takes what he can get from me informationally, 'cause I'm I'm weird about talking sometimes, even though it doesn't really seem like it. I can be weird about it sometimes, and um, he gives me my space. He allows me to be myself and um yeah i don't take that for granted he just like lets me do me he lets me be me and he knows that i'm going to talk at some point and when i do talk he does exactly what i need him to do in those moments and i'm grateful to say that i'm able to do the same for him one thing that i've asked some of my guests that come on here my friends our friends our friends okay we're family Y'all know this by now, Um, is that what is one of the greatest lessons, you know, they've learned from their partners in their relationships? One of the greatest things Malik has taught me is to take it slow. I like to move with intention and things like that. I do try to take things one beat at a time. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's it's been a little hard since the assault, Um, just because survival mode is something that I've been fighting off and on. And he's very understanding of that and my PTSD. But being with him Especially within the first month of our relationship, that was the first time I had genuinely relaxed in a long time. That was the first time, like, obviously I give a fuck about how I look, but I, I really did not give a fuck about how I looked. Like, I was comfortable. But, like, you know what I'm talking about, like, doing the most and not needing to do the most. I love that I'm able to rest with him and that I'm always covered. He teaches me how to be still. And yes, I've taught myself that on like a um, on a shadow work level. But I'm talking about like living an existing type of shit. Just being still. But what I love too, his Capricorn ass, never lets me get a little too comfortable. He'll be like, did you um, practice your yoga? Did you drink your tea? Okay, you move your body today. Did you eat? So he never wants me to get too comfortable, but he wants me to be comfortable if that makes sense. If there's something that I've learned about myself ever since I left Lush it kind of opened my eyes to how joint at the hip we actually were because like I be going through it when I don't see my man or if I don't talk to my man for a certain amount of time listen I know he has to go get this money and take care of me and my child and himself like I get that and the life we're you know creating together I get it that's fine but I be, I be missing my man and I be getting in my moods. To be honest, I probably need to go ahead and do that little attachment test again. I do not want to know what the result is and I'm hoping it's still secure. Because <laughs> I've only ever been that. I've never had like the avoidant one or anything like that, whatever. And I'm not going to sit here and say that our relationship is perfect. I mean, it's the closest thing to it. Don't get me wrong because of how healthy and solid and open it is and safe. But Because we both are on very specific healing journeys, we do experience ups and downs. I think that, look, I have my little mood swings and he is so understanding. Babe, I love you. (laughs) But my PTSD, I think, plays a part in that. And honestly, if there's anything else, I will talk to Malik about it and i'll probably follow it up follow up with something in transparency talk but um we'll see i really don't know what transparency talk is going to give yet it's too early but um i'm not going to sit here and say that we don't have ups and downs i know at least on my end my ptsd plays the biggest role and it's a little tricky between that and fighting survival mode it's a lot and i think because we've been joining at the hip for so long that when we have a certain amount of time with distance between us, like actual like physical distance between us, it triggers a little something in me. Just because we've both found home in each other and we are we are each other's home. So when I'm not at home, it feels like something is off. And honestly, I don't like that. <laughs> but um, to my man, I know you're listening. And this episode is getting long, so I want to make sure that I include this in here. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being everything that I am have wanted, needed, and desired in a partner, in a man, and a human being. Thank you for being you every day. And thank you for loving my girl, Tyler. And thank you for being my future husband and <laughs> my future baby daddy, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God, I love you. I adore you, you're the best. Thank you for being my home. Y'all, there's so much more I wanna share with you, but I don't want this episode to be too long. I could talk about my healing journey and stepping away from Cookies and the Conversation and the Mona Lisa Bakes for the time that I did. But what I think I'm gonna do is save this for another day. I'm so proud of Tyler. I'm so proud of me. I'm so proud of my man. I'm so proud to be a loyal ass, kick ass sister, a loving daughter, a cool mom, a stable partner, and a wholesome human being. I'm grateful for all of the individuals in my life that show up and show out. I'm grateful to be alive i'm grateful for healing i'm grateful for truth i'm grateful for justice i'm grateful for this new life of mine this this new freedom i'm experiencing i'm grateful for another chance at life i'm grateful to be able to look at life through a different set of eyes not necessarily rose covered glasses but i mean when i look at my man that's all i see (laughs) when i look at my child that's all i see (laughs) they are my little family that feels so good i deserve this i deserve this and if you've made it this far thank you for listening i know i'll come back with another solo episode at some point or like i'll probably talk about those couple of things that i didn't get to tonight's not the night but i want to sit here in gratitude Mm. this feels so fucking good and I am so, I am so happy to be free. If there's anything I had to leave y'all with today, it would be one, to drink your water, okay? Two, dirty matches are bussin', so we are dirty chas. Three, love on yourself. Make room for joy in the same ways that I've learned to do so. I, maybe not the same ways. Make room for it. Make time for it. Don't even like, don't even think about that shit. Just do it. Just make the time. Make a conscious effort to choose yourself every day. Make a conscious effort to figure out what is in alignment with you, who is in alignment with you, and who is meant to be with you on this journey. You are leading the way. And if motherfuckers ain't trying to follow suit, then it's fuck them. There may not be no love lost, but sometimes you just got to leave people where they are just so you can keep going. God is so good very grateful. I love y'all so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making time for me. Thank you for hearing my story. I love us for real. And thank you so much for listening to this very much needed, very healing episode. Very closing the last book of my life worthy as episode with me. And until the next time, we're out. Now.